So let's talk about those types of characters who come in, they are introduced to you and they say, hey, we're going to partner up here. I got to get as much as I can out of this. How's that go? How's that conversation go? (laughs) Well, I... Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Melissa Lenuet of Resilience Law Group. She is a federal and state workers' compensation attorney. Hey, Melissa, how are you doing? Hi, great. Thank you for having me. Melissa, how do you get to become a workers' compensation attorney? Well, for me, I sort of fell into it. I was working with another attorney who did a lot of this stuff, and uh, a lot of legal stuff can be pretty dry. So what I love about workers' comp and what draws me to it is that it's really person-based. It's case-by-case. You listen to someone and hear their story about how they were injured, how their injury has progressed through their treatment, and kind of where they are, how they're feeling, and, and what their outcome is. So it's, I love connecting one-on-one with people and helping them through a rough time um, medically and, and with their employment. So what is the definition of workers' compensation? What would be a, a, a typical client coming to you? Yeah, so a typical client is someone who was injured at work. Uh, they may have suffered you know, I get a lot of nurses and they suffered a lifting injury. And so their work may be uh, making them prove that they were injured. So they'll have to get witness statements and they may have to prove precisely what their limitations are, what they are and are not able to do. Uh, The administrative process is meant to make it easier for everyone to prove their claim and get the treatment that they need. But actually what happens is that it can make it very, very difficult. And the average person has to jump through a lot of legal hoops that they're not prepared to do at the best of times. And when they're injured, it's even harder. So uh, typically what I can do is facilitate the client jumping through these hoops to get the treatment that they need to get the work restrictions or time off work that they need to get better. And my idea is it's all about resilience and people getting back to doing what they love, getting back to work if that's the path, uh, or at least getting as healthy as they can get. That's great. So so the insurance that is paying the employee is is paid for by the employer, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. For workers' compensation, these claims aren't ever paid by the employer, except in very rare cases. It's paid by the uh, employer's insurance. Every employer in Massachusetts has to carry it, as well as, of course, the federal government pays for their employees. So it's instead of you suing your employer, you may have an awesome relationship with and is very supportive. You're working with a big insurance agency uh, whose whose entire goal is to pay as little as possible. Right. So that makes it challenging for the injured person to get healthy. Exactly right. Until enter Melissa Lanuet of Resilience Law Group, right? <laughs> That's right. That's I try to make the process as seamless as possible. I deal with disabled and injured people all day, every day. So I really uh, try to be as understanding as possible and and make it so that they're not having to fill out forms a hundred times or dealing with the adjuster on the phone. Uh, I take care of that stuff and they can focus on going to their doctor's appointments and physical therapy and whatever their, their path is. So 
what is the difference between a federal workers' compensation claim and a state compensation claim? Uh, obviously, the difference is federal comp is for a federal employee, so an employee at any aspect of the government from a post -work, postal worker, you know, a letter carrier that you see on the street, to someone working for the VA or working for the TSA, uh, they're covered under the federal workers' compensation scheme, which is a little different than the Massachusetts scheme. Uh, and then, of course, the Massachusetts state or any state workers' compensation is unique to that state, and they, they work a little bit differently. So does the federal, are they a self-insured? They are self-insured, yes. How are they to deal with? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, they, they can be challenging. Um, you're dealing with workers who work at the Office of Workers' Compensation Programs. They're all over the country uh, and may not have experience with, you know, uh, what it's like to fall in a blizzard. Um, so it, it can be a challenge for sure. And of course, the federal government moves at its own pace, and that's often not in line with uh, the pace that you might like your med medical treatments to be handled after an injury. So how do people find you and, and realize, okay, I fell at work, right? Because the, the injury has to happen while in the course of employment, right? You can't be home mowing your lawn, but happen to work for the U.S. Post Office and make a claim, correct? That's right. Yeah, you do have to prove that you fell or were injured at work uh, in the performance of your duties or about to perform your duties. It gets a little complicated, but typically you have to be at work to have suffered a work-related injury. And then how do they find you? Good question. So uh, I have a couple of routes where people come to me. Some of them uh, just Google me and find me that way. But a lot of folks are referred from other attorneys. I work with some doctor's offices who specialize in helping people who suffered an injury as a federal employee, because unfortunately, the federal government makes it very difficult for doctors to get paid. So that's really specialists who are practiced in dealing with that and getting themselves paid. Uh, and that's, that's primarily where I'm getting calls from these days, other lawyers who practice either workers' compensation or other aspects of federal law, but they don't do the federal stuff. So uh, that's how they find me. So those doctors, for example, they, they see you as a, as a value add to the client because they see the struggles that the client's having with the red tape and they introduce you as someone who can help them with that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, at, at some point, even the most supportive doctor is going to come up against a wall, and some of these clients really do need assistance from a lawyer to get through the red tape to get their claim approved or to get treatment approved. Uh, and so, you know, various doctor's offices work with me, and they'll hand out a list of names or a few names, uh, and the, the claimant obviously talks to the lawyer and picks the one that they think is the best fit. So we're here in May 2021, uh, just working our way through COVID. What do those hearings look like right now? So everything is remote, which has been uh, convenient for me because obviously it saves travel going in. It's convenient for my clients as well because many of them have disabilities or, or injuries that make it difficult. Uh, and so I do all administrative stuff. So there's never a jury involved. Uh, there's either an administrative judge, an administrative law judge, sometimes a claims examiner. Uh, and the hearings are very unique to the person. I don't have a set set of questions because everybody's injury is different and everybody's work situation is a little bit different. So uh, the hearings are probably one of my favorite parts of the job. And I always bear in mind it's the claimant's least favorite part of the job. So that's, that's more or less what they're looking like now. A lot of remote stuff, a lot of telephonic hearings. So is it a matter of them um, 
swearing under the pains and penalties of perjuries and, and telling their story? Is that most of the, what the hearings are like? That is, uh, but for workers' compensation, there may be somebody from the agency who's trying to claim the worker didn't suffer an injury. So uh, not only is it on the worker to make their claim, but in some cases, there may be somebody from the agency trying to disprove their claim or to discredit the witness. So it can get challenging. And then you, I assume you'll have certified medical records as opposed to bringing doctors in. Uh, that's that's true. Uh, typically, these claims, it's not it's not valuable for the client for me to pay to bring an expert in. So it's lots and lots and lots of medical records. And so does it create an adversarial relationship between the employer and the employee when somebody makes a claim for workers' comp? It depends strongly on the employer. Typically, employers don't really care. Most employers, I like to believe, are good at heart and feel bad when something horrible happens to their employee. There are situations where there's a question about how the injury occurred, if it occurred at work at all, or if the claimant is playing games. Uh, and in that, in that case, it can get adversarial and there can be uh, additional roadblocks for an injured worker to handle. Because ultimately, the goal is to get the person back to work, right? Typically, yes. And that would be awkward if there was an adversarial situation blocking their ability to come back to work in a less than hostile environment, right? That's, that is definitely for sure. Uh, you know, typically the claims that wind up needing a lawyer are more severe uh, and the injuries so significant they may not be back to work. For something that's less serious, like a, you know, carpal tunnel surgery, they have the surgery, they're back to work in a couple months and everybody's happy. Uh, it's not adversarial. And again, it's not the employer playing, paying, it's the insurance agency. So um, a lot of times everybody can wind up more or less happy, but there are cases where someone suffered a more significant injury uh, and going back to work may, may not be possible. And that's where it can get more adversarial. Right. And because they will have the perception that their insurance premiums will go up? Uh, that's, that's true. That may happen for the employer. And sometimes, uh, you know, these things get personal, uh, particularly for a smaller shop. Uh, they may think that the employee is lying, uh, same in, as any interpersonal situation. Um, I've seen employers get nasty. Luckily, that's not usually the case. Um, and it is generally a pretty cooperative experience, uh, except in terms of the insurer dragging their feet in terms of paying anything. So the employer may assume that this person is looking for a quick way out to cash in and get a check, but is actually faking. Yeah, there are definitely cases where they think the person's faking. Uh, and there are cases where they think that the injury isn't that severe and they hurt their back, but their back wasn't hurt that bad. Um, and there, you know, that, there are cases where that is the case. Uh, I, I pick and choose who I work with and I don't work with anybody who I get the smell that they hurt their back a little, maybe, but they're milking it for all they're worth. Uh, but there's a substantial portion of uh, what I do is, you know, or at least what the insurance companies do is trying to prove that somebody is faking it. Back, backs are a pretty scary thing. They're so, they're so uh, hidden a lot of times. But so let's talk about those types of characters who come in, they are introduced to you and they say, hey, we're going to partner up here. I got to get as much as I can out of this. How's that go? How's that conversation go? <laughs> well, I... So no one's ever said that to you, I assume. No, no. So, you know, I people typically don't say that at a first meeting 
what can happen is uh, I'll get a claim and I'll review the medical records and ultimately medical records usually don't lie. Uh, so if a claimant is telling me they're in 10 out of 10 pain and the doctor says there's no indication that that's correct, I'm going to be pretty suspicious and, you know, I'm going to be looking to see what's really going on. Uh, and if I do get a bad feeling about it, I have withdrawn from claims. Do you have, do you review your own medical records or do you hire a person to summarize for you? Right now I am reviewing them. Uh, sometime down the line, I certainly would probably look into hiring somebody. Uh, but for now, I think that gives me a great overview of the case. And at this point I can look through a hundred pages of medical records and 20 minutes. And you know what you're looking at? Yeah. That's the key, right? Because that, that, you know, some of those medical records are pretty challenging to follow. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it's funny because I have gotten a good grasp in a lot of areas of medicine, um, which I never thought in law school. Some <laughs> of my work even involves going to medical appointments with my clients as kind of a value add in their cases where I'm there sitting with them doing nothing more than taking notes. But uh, certainly nothing in law school prepared me for seeing my clients stripped down to their skippies so the doctor can examine them. <laughs> yeah, they don't teach that class, I don't think. Uh, not at my law school. That is hysterical. So um, have you run into people, though, in all seriousness, that you're like, whoa, no, this is this doesn't feel right? Uh, I have for sure. There's there's people. And as you have experience in the system, you can tell when they're gaming the system. Um, you know, if somebody has 15 past claims, maybe they work in a real dangerous field, but more likely that's just their M.O., um, and oftentimes the employer's onto it as well. So you come onto a case and you can tell that something serious, uh, seriously wrong is happening. Maybe you're the fourth attorney in line too, right? Yeah, that's another big red flag. So let me ask you this. So we, we talked about doctors, we've talked about employers, we've talked about um, you know past clients. If they were to introduce you to somebody who needed your services, how would that how would you want that conversation to sound from that referral partner to the client going to you? Uh, so I would ask, you know, that they'd say, you know, this is Melissa Lenuet. She works at Resilience Law and she really works hard to make the process as easy as possible for a claimant. And she will go up to bat for every claimant to help them get the benefits that they deserve. And on that same line of questioning, if you are really successful with a client and they're super happy and they want to write a testimonial for you, what does that testimonial look like? Yeah, so some of my best testimonials come from claimants who I worked with for years and we developed a relationship. Uh, and, and they're, you know, they're over the moon grateful for what I've done for them. And I, I've gotten a lot of happy hugs and, and tears and those are kind of my favorite testimonials, but obviously those don't read well. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of glowing reviews about how I made it as easy as possible and how I was really caring and compassionate. That's what I like to see. So that's my favorite testimonial. I think you're uh, you're upstairs. <laughs> Sorry, my kids got home. So I, I love it. Which feel free to have to say hello. There we go. They could feel free to say hello. Uh, we <laughs> we all know that this is the new the new normal, as they say. We're all working together. I, I like to refer to it as like the agrarian era, right? We're shoulder to shoulder with our kids doing homework sometimes and working and stuff. Like that. <laughs> I I welcome those interruptions. Yep, I do. Um, 
But now financially, <laughs> financially, workers' compensation claims aren't usually windfalls, right? You're, you, you would seek a third party uh, negligent uh, party as well, right? Uh, that's true. You know, we're not getting the big paydays that personal injury lawyers are getting. Um, sometimes these claims can settle and the settlements can be significant. Uh, but I'm not sure there are too many millionaire uh, workers' compensation lawyers. Because the the fact of the matter is it's on a scale, right? Like a certain injury, a lost finger is a dollar sign, right? There's exactly how much you get for each specific injury and there's no there's no uh, going outside the, 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 the lines. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it breaks down uh, a workers' compensation settlement, whether it's federal or state. It's based off a number of weeks of pay, and that week's, it's, it's limited. So, you know, even if somebody has lost both their legs, there's a cap on how much they can make, and a claimant who is, uh, a client who is earning substantial wages is going to be worth more than a claimant who earned less uh, just because that's how the calculations are made based off their average weekly pay. And does that protect the employer even if the employer were negligent? It does, yeah. The workers' compensation statute, both federally and in each local uh, state, is basically it's a no-fault statute. So the, the benefit to the workers is that they get paid regardless of whether it was their own fault or nobody's fault. And the benefit to the employer is that general negligence is excused uh, and there's no additional penalties, at least in the state, Massachusetts state, there is an additional penalty if the employer was grossly negligent, but it's a pretty high bar. That's interesting. So with that being said, if somebody were to be injured at work and a machine malfunctioned, they might seek that product manufacturing uh, liability, right? Yeah, that's definitely the case. There's cases where you may have, you know, a, a third party involved, either a product liability um, or automobile liability. I see a lot of post office cases where there's somebody struck the postal car. Um, and so in that case, there may be a third party liability. And of course, that, that's where it gets complicated because the medical bills are paid by workers comp versus the third party. Uh, but ultimately, that tends to work out in the workers favor. Do you handle that part of the claim or do you refer that to another attorney? I refer that out. Um, and I have gotten calls from PI lawyers that have, are helping a postal worker uh, who has a OWCP claim or a federal workers comp claim, as well as a third party claim. So for now, that's a decent referral uh, avenue for me that I'm not willing to broach, but I do know, uh, you know, it's something to look look at down the line if it may be a growth opportunity for the firm to take on those claims. So there's a student in law school and they're working through their second year and they say to you, hey, I'm thinking about workers' compensation. What do you think? Should I do it? I think that workers' compensation can be a good fit for some lawyers, particularly ones who are looking for a better work-life balance uh, because it's all administrative administrative agencies, it's often very easy to get things rescheduled or to get all your court dates booked on a certain day of the week so that you're not missing your kids' baseball games. Uh, I work a 40-hour week. Once in a blue moon, I'll go over it. Uh, but basically, I have a great work-life balance where I'm home with my kids. Um, and of course, the trade-off is that I'm not making 
you know, multiple six figures. That's interesting though, because, you know, everybody is different, right? And work-life balance has become so, so very important for people, especially in these, these days of COVID. Now, as you are aware, one of the questions that we like to ask all of our guests and we ask it because we like to actually network with our guests. And at some point down the road, maybe five, 10 years from now, we're going to get them all together and have an event for the guests. And one of the um, events at the event is karaoke. So Melissa, you're up next on the microphone. What are you singing? All right. My go-to pre-COVID is 9-5 by Dolly Parton. Now that I'm working for myself, I might have to change that up because I'm no longer working for the man nine to five, uh, but it's good to be your own boss. And I still channel that uh, nine to five rage sometimes on the microphone. Well, that's it. You're working nine to five, but you're choosing to, right? Because you have chosen the work-life balance. You do your 40 hours, but when those 40 hours might not be nine to five, right? I, that's what we're seeing a lot of, you know, if you want to work from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. If you get everything done, I'm not asking any questions, right? Working two to six. What a way to live in. I love it. So, so most important question of the entire conversation. If somebody is to get injured at work and they want Melissa's services at Resilience Law Group, how do they get in touch with you? They can give me a call at 781-384-0455, or they can find me online at resiliencelegal.com. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. I have a YouTube channel, and I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit as well. So uh, well, I, about, I'm out there. Tell us about the social. So YouTube, is, is it under Melissa or is it under Resilience? It's under Resilience Law, and I post... Uh, little two to three minute videos twice a week, just talking about a question that I get from a client or an area of law or a common misconception. I change it up uh, between different practice areas, but I like to try to try to do that. And I've gotten some calls from it. So it's, it's at least starting to work a little bit. Good. It's fun. And you're sharpening the saw. What about social? So for Facebook, is it resilience also? Yep. Resilience law is the tag one word. Uh, and I put various things there. You know, I have a little event this week for National Donut Day here in May, cool. where clients can come to my office and grab a donut. But uh, so that's what I use. I love it. So, so um, where, where is your office located? I'm located in Norwell, Massachusetts. I'm right off the highway. Uh, I do a lot of my work remotely, however, because my clients are all over Massachusetts and all over the country. I have clients in Texas and the Carolinas and Pennsylvania. So uh, that's the beauty of federal workers comp that I can help, you know, clients wherever they're coming from. And with, with the remote and Zoom, it doesn't matter where you are, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's some of my clients don't have the physical ability to come into my office at this time. And that's also totally fine. So give us that phone number one more time. It's 781-384-0455. Awesome. Melissa, that was really helpful. I learned a lot. I hope folks learned a lot who were interested in workers' comp. And for those who need the assistance of workers' comp, I hope you learned a tremendous amount, but most importantly, picked up that phone number. Melissa, thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.